whether you're reading it for the first time or the hundredth, you will always find something new within the words of John's Gospel. While simultaneously being the easiest to read for new believers, the Gospel of John is a beautifully woven masterpiece loaded with deep theological insight that only the closest of Jesus' followers could express. In this book, we'll explore many themes like light versus darkness, life and death, and what it means to be born again. As stated by John, the purpose of his gospel is to convince the readers that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. Join us as we embark on a journey through John's gospel. My name is Pastor Aaron. And I'm Pastor Leon. And we'd like to welcome you to Calvary's Compass. We are diving into chapter 13. We are on episode 20. It's crazy that we're this far into it. Wow. Um, we have a couple more um, chapters to go. There's 21 chapters. So we're, <coughs> excuse me, we're, we're coming along to the wire now. Um, we're, like I said, last couple podcasts, we're in the last week of Jesus' life. And, um, you know, we're going to be talking about the, um, one of the most crucial things that Jesus did. Um, before he got crucified, which was the washing of the disciples' feet. Um, that's this this podcast, but I'm excited to dive in. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's podcast with uh, Reverend Lenore Powell and wow, my yeah. aunt, um, Aunt Martina. That was a good podcast. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we're going to just keep on chugging along this week. And the best way to do that, as we always do, <laughs> is to start reading. Yeah. <laughs> and it says this, Now before the Feast of Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During the supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So that's John's preface. You know, this is when Jesus was about to give himself, and by this time Judas has already have in his heart um, to betray Jesus. And Jesus, verse 3, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, meaning he's got the full authority that God has in his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Now, to me, um, this is a sign of what Jesus physically did when he left heaven to come down to earth. Mm -hmm. This is when Jesus took out his, took off his deity, right? He took off and he put on flesh right. to come down to us to be, you know, to be the perfect human being. But yet he was still God. Right, right. But he, he put on the garments of humanity in order to sympathize with us and, and be where we are. Um, so he laid his outer garments aside and he took a towel and tied it to his waist, which that's a sign of service. Right. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. So Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And so I want to pause here and, and, and put a really, really interesting insert here. Um, <clears throat> in Jewish culture... Um, removing sandals and, and, and washing their feet, Jesus was showing them that he is actually granting them a new inheritance. See, anytime sandals came involved in the Hebra Hebraic culture, it's actually a sign of covenants and inheritance. Um, we, we see um, in Joshua, this happens. In Ruth, this happens. In Exodus, when, Jesus, when God tells Moses to remove his sandals so his bare feet were on the ground, um, so that way they could place the sole of their foot upon the new covenant inheritance of what right. Jesus is about to give them. Right. And so what Jesus is showing them, he says, listen, you're about to step into something new. You're about to step into a, a role in which, you know, you had not before. You know, people of old had stepped into it. But guess what? Now all of you are going to step into it. And now that's why that's why um, the foot washing back then was so important. You, that was why it was, you know, part of all this, because then they were stepping into that same inheritance um, as, as, as a symbol, you know. But so, um, yeah, this 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 removing of the sandals and placing their feet in this water and, and Jesus washing their feet, it, it, it's showing them 
they didn't see it at the moment, but it was showing them that that they're about to receive something new, right? Something something holy, something other. Well, there's a lot of symbolic things going on yeah. here, such as you, know, you said it: Jesus coming down, taking off his deity, taking on humanity, and became <sighs> God in the flesh. Right. You know, then you know when he's he's bending down, he's serving. He's come uh-huh. to serve, and so. The what really sticks out to me is when he poured water into a basin. Yeah, which I feel in my heart. You know, I haven't did any background study of upon it, but I just by the Holy Spirit, I feel that he's dealing with the outpouring upon yeah. the hearts and lives of people because the Bible talks about that we are tre- you know we have treasures in earth and vessels. Yeah, and we're an earth and vessel. I mean, even Paul talked about where cisterns that are you know. They they end up cracking right, and right, losing right, 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 right. the water. So so <clears throat> we are that vessel that God pours into us, and you know what's so amazing is how Jesus bends down and washes the feet, which is symbolic as if what you how you walk before now you become new. The old things have passed away. All behold, all things have become new. Right. He's washing the way the sins. Yeah. The past, the dirt, the shame, where you've been to prepare you for where you're going. So this is a transitional period and symbolic period all at the same time to see Jesus pouring out and cleansing yeah. the path of a believer. I mean, but it also parallels with Isaiah 52, 7, where it yeah. says, How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring the good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say Zion. Your God reigns. And, and you know, Paul echoes that back in Romans 10, um, 13 to 15. But it says, you know, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring tidings of good things. So Jesus was anointing their feet from mm. the prophecy of Isaiah saying, guess what? You know, now, you know, because back in that culture, the feet were dirty. You know, they right. had sandals. We talked about this when, when Jesus' feet was washed right. by um, Mary. But um, feet were dirty. Um, but you see now Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, making something that was dirty now something holy. Right. And that that's what that's what God does to us. That's what he does, you know, when, when, when we feel like we make mistakes, you know, when we feel like we mess up, you know, he washes us and makes us into that holy representation of who he is. Well, this also links to the next passage of Isaiah, Isaiah yeah. 53. He was... You know, he took up our pain, bore our sufferings, and yet, because yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by pain, by him, by inflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, mm. crushed mm, for yeah. our iniquities. The punishment is brought upon him and on us, and and on him and his wounds. By his wounds we are healed. Yeah. So we we he is showing us what he's willing to take on. He takes off to take on, and he takes on the load. He takes us off of the load of our walk, and he puts it on himself, and to wash. Water with healing, the regeneration, what God He provides. Yeah, absolutely, and that you know, think about also like the water. There's there again, we see another a theme of water. The water, right. you know, it started back when Jesus turned water into wine, and then it talks about the river, and then it talks about all this other stuff. Um, you know, and and it's eventually going to lead up to when Jesus is crucified and blood and water both right. pour out. Right. But right now, you see Jesus pouring water out into a basin, mm-hmm. and um. You know, it's it just it just so symbolic to me. Not just this is a new covenantal inheritance that that the disciples are about to step into, but it's something so much more profound than that. It is something that, <clears throat> you know, Jesus said it right. You know, you you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but after all this happens, you're going to completely see and understand. Mm-hmm. So the pouring out of Jesus is going to cleanse us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make us holy. It's going to bring us into something new and something fresh. But we just have to allow it to do so. Well, when he took the towel and he tied it around his waist, not only showing servanthood, but, you know, when he washed his feet and he wiped them, that means showing that he, he he's the only one that can cleanse right. you. You can't fix your past. You can't fix where you've been or change. You, we wish we can often go back in, in the past yeah. and fix things that are not right and broken right. and messed up things we've done, things people have done to us. But we know this, Jesus is the one that wipes away not only our past, but all of our tears and our pain, our sorrow of life. And we move forward from him, not from ourselves, not from our experience, but from him we move forward as long as we allow him. Check this out, because Peter didn't want Jesus to do it. Yeah. 
but but we'll read on. But but notice, notice as well, he tied the towel around his waist. Mm. Okay, he and so when he himself. and when he washed their feet, he took their feet, wiped their feet on the towel. Mm. So that means all the dirtiness that was on their foot now was on him. He bore it. He bore that dirtiness or on suffering him. or shame or pain. Yes, he took all the dirt, all of the nasties. And put it onto himself. Mm, That's the, so symbolic of what he's about to do on the cross. The stench of flesh of yes. the feet. I mean, think about it. You've wore flip-flops or yeah. shoes without socks a long day, and by the time you take them off, there's not a good odor. And and Jesus took, he slipped their sandals off, put not only the dirt, but the odor of the yeah. flesh from where you walked the on, dung. His, on himself. Yep. You know, he bore that. All that stuff. And he and he put he, he willingly put it on himself. Well, yeah, he didn't hesitate. He's like, Oh man, you stink. No. You know, he he took it. Yep. Took it like a man. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, like I said, that's so symbolic of what he what he was doing on the cross. It's that you know, he took all of that crap, if you will. Yeah. Literally it's crap. Yeah. And and put it onto himself. He washed it off of you and put it onto himself so that mm-hmm. way you can be who you are meant right. to be in God's eyes. And you're going to be who you're meant to be. Yes. And there's nothing, the Bible says, the, we re, we touched on this, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Right. So, you know, we understand that there are things that come through from the enemy that the enemy tries to release in our lives. But Jesus wrapped himself and took upon himself all the things that are dirty in us and on yeah. us. And he and he washes them away and he wipes it clean. Himself. But how awesome is that of Jesus to do that for mm-hmm. us? I mean, I mean, I was getting ahead of myself a little bit, but in verse six and seven, you know, Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. Yeah. But Jesus was like saying, you know, you don't understand, but you will afterwards. What I'm going to have to do, and so, yeah. the, so you you got to be willing to allow Jesus to take on that that dirtiness in your life. Yeah. And let him wash it white as snow. Mm. His blood does that for us. Yes, it does. And we allow his spirit to move in us, which keeps us fresh and new. Yeah. And we find strength in that. Yeah, we do. Which is which is just so beautiful. Um, and then we, we look at Peter saying afterwards, you know, after what Jesus said, if I do not wash you, then you have no share. He, then he's like, Lord, you know, Peter's just gung-ho. He's, he's pretty straight. Then don't just wash my feet, but my hands and my head also. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash. Mm. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Mm. So he's saying, just because you have a couple dirty little parts doesn't mean you're not clean. Mm-hmm. Just because you make a couple stupid mistakes doesn't mean you're not clean. Doesn't mean you're not holy. And that's the biggest thing that we have to realize is, you know, there are things in our life that we do throughout our life and throughout our day that, you know, it does dirty us up a little bit. But just because we make those small little mistakes doesn't mean that we're not clean. Right. And that's the fact that we have to see. It's that <clears throat> religion teaches us that if you make one mistake, you got to go back to the square one and start from the very beginning. But that's not true. If you make a mistake, you just pick yourself up where you are, wash your feet, and, and, and keep on moving forward. You allow Jesus to expose that and to wash you. That way you can keep on moving forward. God never wants to set you back. He always wants to move you forward. Right. And when we see that as, as, from that perspective, then we start to realize that God really does have our best interest in store for, uh, for us. And he knows what's best for us. You know, that uh, that what you said remind me of a song uh, by Natalie Grant called Clean. Yeah. I don't know if you remember it, but maybe those who are listening, you can go on YouTube and just pull out that, that video of Natalie Grant singing Clean. And just listen to the words. It says, uh, uh, I see shattered, you see whole. I see broken, but you see beautiful. You're helping me to believe you're restoring my peace. By, restore me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty. That you can't make worthy, you wash me in mercy, and I am clean. Mm. And, and you know, in, in that whole song, this talking about there's nothing too dirty. So, so here's the greatest thing <sighs> that if we've already allow ourselves to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, we're still clean. Yeah. And no matter the mistakes, no matter how dirty it may seem, it gets because we are, keep our faith in Jesus and we keep our life in Him. We're clean. Yeah. 
because our heart's devoted to him. When your heart steers away from God, you do become dirty and you stay dirty. But he's the one that washes away everything that's all messed up and not nice yeah. in us. That's so true. But notice he says in verse 11, for he knew who was about to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. Mm. So even though people may be in your, your inner circle mm. in your church, you know, they think you, they, you think that they got it all together. You know, Jesus still knew that one of them was not clean though. He washed his feet. Yeah. Though he gave him all of his time. Mm. He, he knew that he wasn't clean still. Well, it goes to show you, you can, you can be in church, be involved in the very things of God and still not be where you need to be in life. Right. You know, and, and I think that should be a warning to all of us how important it is that we right. not only just go through the motions, but accept what Christ is doing and live out what he's done. But it's all about choices. Right, it is. It was Judas's choice to not receive that cleansing. Mm-hmm. After seeing all the miracles, the healings, the things that he was able to do, he still made a choice. Yeah. The choices that did not honor God, but Christ identified not all of you are clean, mm. meaning not all of you have the right motives. Your intentions might be right, but your motive isn't right. And so and so because they did, never had changed their heart's intentions, he never changed, Judas never changed his heart's intentions. He wasn't clean. Because he, he was in it for his own kingdom and in his own self. Right. That's what it was about. It's about him building his kingdom, getting his portion of the pay. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know... um, it all, like we've always talked about, it all goes back to his original intent. What did Judas intend to do? Did he intend to serve Jesus or was he only in it for the popularity and clout? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or he saw an opportunity to advance himself personally by accommodating a situation yeah. that he he thought he just stumbled on by accident. Right. <laughs> he was called by God. Yeah. Just like many of us today are called by God, but you got to choose the call. <coughs> Bible says many are called, few, few are choo- choose. Right. Yeah. And so you got to choose the call. Everybody's yeah. called, but you're, it's your choice. You choose He's never going to make you do something you don't want right. to do. Right. And that's what God does. That's what it boils down to. It's all about your choice. Right. Judas chose, and as we'll see at the end, mm-hmm. you know, we see Judas, you know, actually here in a couple of verses, but we see Judas walking out of the door, mm. and then it was night. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, like I like said, we'll walking talk. away from God. Yeah. I mean, people do that. Walk yeah. right away from God. Yep. With the right intentions, but wrong motives. Yeah. Mm. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that one in a minute once, yeah. we, once we get to that point. But it says, verse 12, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place at the table, which is the place of authority, you know, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're all right. For so I am. If I, then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say unto you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So he's saying, it's about your actions. It's about your intent. Mm-hmm. If you think you're better than somebody else, guess what? It's about it's time for you to get served. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you can serve. Sometimes yes. To teach you to serve, you've got to go into a servant position. Right. And and we all learn that in life. And it's not a fun place to be. No. But it's it's not that God's punishing anybody or you know your life. But it's just that there are times we just got to learn to step back and reevaluate and learn how to serve again. Yeah. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And like, you know, Jesus was the perfect example. And if he mm-hmm. served, yeah, we should do the same. And and he doesn't, and though he's saying there's no life greater yeah. than, than the serve. So if Jesus, <laughs> who was the God, who is the God above everything, who was with God in the beginning, if he chose to serve, what what makes us any different? Why would we not have to? Why shouldn't we? Right. We should want to serve. Right. If we're here, for, if our hearts intentions are truly for God, it is about serving. It's not about me anymore. No. It's about other people. Right. And how do we serve them? Yeah. How do we be better for those people? Yep. 
you know, how do we better be better for my for ourselves, better for our workers, better for our our families, you know, better for pe- being for the people in our communities, you know, as a person, as a Christian, we are wanting to be able to serve and be better, not have the right intentions, but have the right motives. Yeah. You know, you can like so they go they they do go hand yeah. in they should be unified. Motives yeah. and intentions should be unified. Right, 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 right. And you can either be unified for the wrong or unified for the right. For the right. Yeah. And house, and yeah. yeah. I was just gonna say a house, house divided, divided can, can't stand. So we have we have to be careful and test our motives. Like mm-hmm. why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Is it for my glory? Is it for right. God's? And and when you have to test your motive based upon how you feel mm. That's a good point. Then I mean, yes, there's some factors upon feeling, but really the motive of what you do has nothing to do with how you should feel. If you right. if you need to feel like you're useful, then maybe your motives aren't right. Mm. You know, so so it's not. You know, I'm trying to get. I'm not trying to get psychological. You know, psychological, psychological yeah. here, but I'm just trying to help understand those listeners. When you base it upon how you feel and you respond by your feeling to feel better about mm. yourself, that's not doing the things of God. Yeah. Because you're, you serving God has nothing to do how you feel. You serving God has everything to do with you knowing what you're supposed to be doing. And you do it without thought or merit or out without anyone patting on your back or acknowledging you or you getting accolades from the people around you. You're just serving whether you're noticed or not. Right. And I think that, um, you know, the, the, the John philosophy of John, the Baptist philosophy is like, let me increase, let, let, let me decrease. Mm-hmm. So that way you can increase. That's right. the perfect service philosophy. You know, we have to decrease so we can help other people out. We have to decrease what we want, what, what our motives are. So that way we can help other people out. So we can serve other people the way Christ would have served them. Well, you know, <laughs> I hate to, and I'm not getting any money when I say this plug. One of the things, the reason why people love Chick-fil-A, not just their food, it's oh, their service. Yeah. They got good service. They have great service. And so what happens is when you do things or you get things from that company yeah. and their employees, one of the last things you hear from them is, my pleasure. Right. That means they're here to serve you. Right. And so that means you feel that they've, take high priority of how much you are happy with what service you received right and so that's what the attitude we must take which is a great christian attitude yeah for that christian company and i tell you um when i was about i think 2016 ish 2015 i was working at a job um in town Mm -hmm. and i went to chick-fil-a for my lunch break right and i totally forgot my wallet like i did not have my wallet on me and i said dude when i got the one i said dude I do not have my wallet. I will come back and pay. He said, yeah, you're fine. Come on back and just pay it. So when I got back to my job, I realized my wallet had fallen underneath my seat. Oh. Right? And so I went back and I paid it. He's like, oh my gosh, I didn't think you were coming back. I was just going to give it to you for free. (laughs) I was like, man, that makes me feel valued. And and appreciated because, you know, it's people, I think today, specifically in this society, they need, I think people need to make people feel appreciated and accepted. Right. And it's not about this community of belief and that community of belief, that particular lifestyle and this particular yeah. lifestyle. I think if we are to here, if we're here to serve people regardless right. of their background, ethnicity, their gender uh, points of view mm. and various things, I think if we just love people and serve people the way Christ serve, I think you see the world change. The way it needs to change, and 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 your, our own lives would change for the better because we are literally being a server, yeah, in a place that needs to be served. Yeah, and so that's a that's a great point. It's you no, know, um, you know, the whole motive of love thy neighbor as yourself. Right. I got this sticker that I put on my journal, <laughs> and, and I, I, I mean, I, let me read it, let me read it to you. And yeah, so yeah. it's like it says, love thy neighbor. Thy immigrant neighbor, mm. thy black neighbor, thy wow. atheist neighbor, thy Muslim neighbor, neighbor thy depressed neighbor, mm. the Asian neighbor, thy LGBTQIA neighbor, the mm. disabled neighbor, Come the indig- indigenous neighbor, the Jewish neighbor, the political neighbor, the elderly neighbor, the homeless neighbor, mm. Latino neighbor, the addicted neighbor, wow. the millennial, millennial neighbor, and the last one is thy blank neighbor. Wow. So fill in the blank. So when Jesus says love thy neighbor, it means 
everybody, no matter what background, race, or creed they are. Mm -hmm. It means everybody. And in order to be a servant, Mm -hmm. we have to go out of our way to love people. Like with Jesus, he went out of his way multiple times. Look at the garrisons. He went across the the lake to the garrisons just to impact one person who was demon-possessed. And I think in ministry, um, I think in um, in a workforce, in a managerial position, uh, in church, in our families, in our communities, I think that is the attitude we're to take on is to serve. Yeah. You know, that means when Jesus disrobed himself, okay, which you, which I love the metaphor that he took off his deity, which goes into the symbol, symbolism of that. <coughs> but I think we have to disrobe ourselves. Yeah. Our, you know, our pride, our mm. ego, you know, things that makes us feel of yeah. value and self-worth. Right, right, right. Because really life in itself is not valued by what you do and how you do it. Life itself is valued by who you serve and whom you're mm. serving. So as we are serving the Lord, yeah. we serve people, and that's where true value comes right. in, that we're honoring God in our servitude. I agree with that 100%. And, like, that's the biggest thing. It's like to to— to know this and to not do it just makes it bad though. That's what Jesus said. You know, if you know it and you, you do not do this, Mm. you know, let's keep on reading verse 18. I'm not speaking to all of you for I I know who, whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He he who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am. He truly, truly, I say to you that whoever receives one that I send receives me and whoever receives the one that I, um, receives the one who sent me. So meaning when you serve and you receive other people into your life to help serve, you're not just receiving them, you're receiving Jesus right. and God. Right. The Father. Right. So when we help people in need, we're not we're not just doing it for them. We're we're, we're doing it on behalf of Jesus right. unto them. Amen. And so when we see that, we then turn into Jesus hands and feet. Right. You know, going places and 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 touching people's lives because it's no longer about me. Right. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, Amen. the hope of glory. And so I have to get to a place where I'm not living for myself anymore. Mm. I'm living for the God within me. And I'm living for to serve other people because that's what Jesus did. Well, which defies the cultural tide mm. of where we're at now. Right. Because it's it's it, it, people need to feel validated today. People need to feel that you know to be heard right you know one of the things that i've learned in dealing with this generation is i i i hear you i validate you you know what i mean Th- that's yeah. that's something that you have to do now you have to acknowledge what they say and you validate where they are and and that's one thing i i've had to <coughs> kind of tweak my my yeah. the way i educate myself with people now and specifically this younger generation because they want to be heard they, they want to be, be validated yep. and where they see they are in life right but, so 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 then wh- how do we minister and validate hear people validate people but yet tell them you know y- your validation to you may seem important but being validated in the eyes of god is more important yeah not by the world style. Because they're always, uh, the, the song keeps going through my head by Michael W. Smith, A Place in This World. People are looking for, where, what is my place? Where do I fit? Where right. do I belong? You know, in church and in, in, in life, in the workforce, you know, do, do I have a purpose? Well, you know, the Bible talks about Jeremiah twenty eleven. I know the plans, the plans I, I have, have for you. you. Yeah, plans for you to prosper you, not harm you, to give you hope in the, the future. future. Yeah. So your future is not based upon what your place is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which defies the odds. Yeah. Your future is who you serve. Yeah. By serving, then God puts you in a place where you belong, where you should have been the whole time. Yeah. And so, and yeah, your circumstances don't determine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, I just want to be happy. I want to make me happy. And, you know, but, if that was Jesus's motives, he wouldn't have died yeah. on the cross. I mean, if he, I mean, we saw that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, "Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass by me." But, but if nonetheless, not, let your will be done. Servanthood. Yeah, it's still about God, not about ourselves. Right. And that's where, and and I, I don't like using this word 
very frequently, but that is a narcissistic mentality yeah. that this world continues to. Well, that's entertain. the lie that the enemy feeds yeah. to people. It's like you it's know, you, you have to make yourself happy. But then, yeah. wait a second, isn't that the temptation that the enemy gave in the Garden of Gethsemane? You mm-hmm. know, well, did God really say that? You know, He said, "Well, yeah, you know, you just do what makes you feel happy." It's very subtle. It's very subtle. Well, I deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. Well, and true happiness comes from serving. And true happiness comes from the Lord. Serving God is you find fulfillment and joy. Yeah. And then which enables you to help serve other people for the one you serve. So as you're serving God, right. he enables you with the wisdom and the ability to do great things for people so that you can serve people in proxy of God. I agree with that. And the, the biggest the biggest kicker here is if you ever have a thought, mm-hmm. right? And and I know I know this is a such a cliche thing, but it's like, what would Jesus do? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. If it's a selfish thought, would Jesus be doing that? Right, right. If it's a if it's a self centered thought, right, that would make you ha- would Jesus do that? No, Jesus went out of his way to talk to the Samaritan woman, which mm-hmm. he had no right in doing. No, he didn't have to do that. Uh-uh. The Samaritans and the Jews were at war with each other. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like they were enemies. You know, he went out of his way to go touch and heal people. He went out of his way to in, he inconvenienced himself mm. in order to touch other people's life. I like when the chosen showed Jesus healing and there was like a prayer line. And oh, he, he was there all day just praying for people for they receive healing. He and by the time he got to where he was to lay down, he was so exhausted and tired that he just was laid down to go to sleep. But what were the disciples doing? They were Fighting. arguing. Yeah. They were arguing about who's, who's better. Place? Yeah. yeah. Where, where do I fit in this kingdom? Mm-hmm. But then you see Jesus tired, exhausted, beat, mm-hmm. returning to his tent. Mm-hmm. Because he served God and not himself. Mm. So he came in proxy. He gave all that he had. Mm-hmm. To serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, so when serving God is understanding that you are a server, and that means sometimes, uh-oh, you're not going to be in the front of the line. Nope. <laughs> sometimes, uh-oh, you're not going to be the one that receives the blessings. Sometimes but you're going to get tired. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to get worn out. Sometimes yeah. you're not going to be happy. There are times you may feel a little weary in serving. Right. But you serve the Lord. Because it's not about you. Right. It's about God. And if it's about Him, then what? It's not about what you feel or don't exactly. feel. Exactly, and that's the thing. Like this whole generation, because I can speak from experience, because I'm part of this generation. I'm 25 right. years old. This whole generation goes by feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I need to feel good. I need to feel this. I need to feel that. Validate. Validate. I need yeah. to be heard. <laughs> you know? But at the end of the day, man, I'm telling you, like true happiness comes from knowing that you're pleasing the Lord in your right. life. Right. That's the only way that I'm, I'm, I'm ever going to be happy is when I'm pleasing him. And, and this world's so fast-paced in its direction that it's going <coughs> that they don't see that they're, they're driving. They're literally not even driving. They're no. in a passenger seat, and no one's driving. I mean, like, look at all the actors who are so filthy rich but yet so grumpy Lost. and unhappy. Mm-hmm. Why? And, and they keep looking for someone to fulfill their happiness or things. Right. Drugs, That's why they go to drugs and depression and then eventually suicide because they don't find happiness because their true happiness is not in that stuff. It's in serving God. And I'm probably sure you've seen this documentary, but there's a documentary talk about these funniest comedians, but they're the most depressed people. They, 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 they have to perform even when though they don't feel happy yeah. or they're going through tragedy. They still have to show a show yeah. in front of the public. And they're never happy. They're some of the most depressed people on earth. Yeah. And we've seen that when those who have taken their lives. Yeah, Robin Williams and yeah. you know, other people of those sorts. I mean, I know that I know even Jim Carrey is dealing with things, depression. He's and got all his own demons. And so it's like, you know, the, these funny actors who have, you know, really made my life joyous at some times. Right. Uh, yeah. Throughout their movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they, they, they themselves are like depressed and it's like you know the saddest people on the planet it's really sad because like their whole life is making people happy but they themselves are not happy but their their happiness should not come from that it should come from serving the lord that's why we go back to intentions yeah 
good intentions aren't always the right intentions. It's right. the motive that connects with the right intentions. Right. The heart's motive. Yeah. And so when you serve with the right motive, Jesus served with the right motive. The disciples learned how to serve with the right motive. Yeah. And so when you learn the right motive and you're serving, then your intentions are always not just good, but right. Yeah. And you'll be happy. You'll be happy and yeah. fulfilled. But now picking up back in verse 21 okay. with attentions and motives, um, it says that after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he was speaking. One of the disciples whom Jesus loved, which that's John, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side, which means he was leaning into Jesus' um, chest. He had his head on Jesus' chest. It said this, um, uh, So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he, whom he was speaking. So the disciple that was leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So he dipped the morsel and he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And then after he had taken a morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do it quickly. Mm. So Judas's intention was always to turn Jesus over. For, for something wrong. I mean, his intentions had the right perspective when you looked at what they prophecies and the things they were raised in believing. But you know, every, but nothing lined up. Yeah, with the with the motive, the motive was wrong. Right, and and I want to look culturally here for a minute. Like when when traditionally when people would give other per, people a morsel of like food, it was it was culturally culturally seen as an act of cherished friendship and intimacy. So, you know, it was something that very close friends did to one another. So with this in mind, Jesus offers companionship and friendship to even the one who is going to betray him. He he offers him, you know, this last thing. It's like, you know, hey, we can still get through this together. But Judas is already determined in his heart and his mind that that he had to go. Mm. He had to go do what he was going to do. And that means, like, you know, Jesus' intent was to always offer him friendship. Mm-hmm. It was to always offer him that, that intimate, close relationship. But Judas, he, he turned his back on God, and, and, he, and he ran. He ran away. Because it said that Satan entered into him, you know? Because his heart wasn't where it needed to be. Right, 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 right. And that's that's the biggest thing that we have to realize is that we we have to still offer the love and the mm-hmm. friendship of God to even our enemies, right? To even those who slap us in the face, you know what I'm saying? But um, I want to I want to take for a moment and do a little 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 sidebar here. Um, it says that Jesus entered into. I mean, I'm sorry, Satan entered in into Judas, mm. right? Now the word for Satan is accuser. It's the word that we see in Job when when you see the Satan, the accuser, going up before God and accusing Job. Um, we think of Satan as the devil, but Right. In in the actual matter, it's it's an actual legal term of someone who brings charges against someone else. Huh. Huh. And so from this point in the narrative, we're we're actually seeing Daniel seven, nine through fourteen wow. play out. Wow. And so this is this is John alluding to that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read that really quickly. So John seven, nine, it says this. This is the prophecy of Daniel when G, when Daniel saw the dream, right, of the four beasts coming out of the water. Uh-huh. It says this. As I looked Thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. That's judge room, judgment, right? The judgment, the court system. Right. Um, white, cl- his white, his clothing was white as snow, and the the hair of his head was pure of wool. His throne was a fiery flame, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came from out before him. Thousands of thousands served him. Ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were open. Mm. Verse eleven. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. Who's the horn going to be playing out in this whole narrative? That's Caiaphas testifying against Jesus. That's also Judas testifying against Jesus, right? He, so what we're going to see Judas is he's going to go to Caiaphas. He's going to testify and say, here's Jesus. Here's where he's going to be. And I'm going to show you through a kiss, mm. right? And so we see the horn speaking out, testifying against Jesus in the courtroom. 
And that's that's what's happening in Daniel. The horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season. I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came a, a, one like the Son of Man, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom." that all people, nations, language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. So this whole entire prophecy is talking about what's about to transpire in Jesus' life and ministry. So we see now Judas going to testify on behalf of Satan against Jesus in the courtroom Mm -hmm. to take Jesus to the cross. But here's the thing, it was part of God's plan all along. But what did Jesus what, what did Jesus say back back a couple verses ago about um about Jesus understood that the Father, this is verse three, had given all things into his hands. What did Daniel seven just say? That right. all power, dominion, and authority was given to him. So this is tying it all together. This is prophecy being right. fulfilled from Daniel. A lot of people think that Daniel is a prophecy of the end times. No, it's a prophecy of what Jesus was going through with his crucifixion and resurrection. So so Judas had to choose, am I going to serve Satan and Mm. testify on his behalf? Or am I going to testify on Jesus' behalf, which we see the disciples doing right, right. throughout the rest of history? And that was what we're doing now. We're bearing witness to Jesus. But Judas chose to bear witness with Satan. That bearing witness has been a theme all through the book of John. And so... We have to see this now from this point on as this heavenly courtroom scene where 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 the beast is called up, mm-hmm. right? And 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 Jesus has to judge the beast. But how is he going to do that through the cross and his death and resurrection? It's not going to look like the way that the disciples thought it was going to look like. Well, also it's amazing how even Jesus even uses his own enemies to fulfill the will of God. Right. On top of it all. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you know, he messed up God's plans. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was really, he was being used to fulfill the God's plans. Yeah. And so, so when we go through things, even in life, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm flipping the coin yeah. on this part. No, you're fine. I'm sorry, but I'm just, my mind, as you were speaking, my mind also went to the point of even in, in his disobedience, it was still part of God's will. Yeah. And and so that he had to use the enemy to fulfill. And it goes back to the prophecy. With Caiaphas. With when Caiaphas, Caiaphas prophesied of, um, for Jesus. And you pointed that one out. I yeah. mean, did we do it in a podcast? Yeah, it was back, uh, I think it was chapter 11. Okay, because we talked so much, you and I, and yeah. I don't know if it's podcast. Or no, that, was pro- that was podcast. So so even John the 11. enemy, the enemy, God uses the enemy not only to, to prophesy, prophesy, but enemy to fulfill, to fulfill God's will. will. So so those of you who are going through things right now, and you think the enemy's against you, really God's using even the enemy to propel you yeah. to God's purpose and plans for your life. Yeah. And so, so, you know, but Judas couldn't, once Judas woke up from, from the, you know, conception of what the enemy has done through him, he couldn't live with himself on that point. But in reality, it was all fulfilling God's purpose in prophecy. Right. Because prophecy of Isaiah 53 had to be fulfilled. Right. Could Judas have then turned back to Christ? Absolutely. Yes. Judas couldn't allow himself though. He couldn't forgive himself what he's done when he realized what he did. The the capacity and the gravity of what he did, what he allowed the enemy to do through him, yeah. he couldn't live with himself. <laughs> but, but you know, but God, I, you know, we still, and therefore, still don't know his dying moments, his last oh, breath. Yeah. We don't know that point. We don't know if he's in hell. We don't right. know. Some he very well believe, could be in, he's in heaven. Some people believe he is in hell, but I, I've now begged the differ of that concept because, you know, I, I, you know, you, no, I'm skipping way ahead no, fine. in these conversations. But even on the cross, the, Jesus dying, he looked at the thief on his deathbed. <laughs> and in this day you will be be with me in paradise. Yeah. I mean, he could have said, Jesus, forgive me. You know, and, if, you know, when when people go through depressions and various things, they don't they're not themselves. They don't think properly. Right. They're not thinking well enough to be right. Right. And so they're 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 in another another place in their mind. Yeah. But yeah, so um, yeah, that's that's those are good questions about Judas and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, those are things that I ponder with a lot. Uh, we all do. Um. But um. But yeah. So Jesus said, "Whatever you're about to do, just go and do it quickly." 
now verse 28 no one at the table knew why he said this to him mm. some thought that you know because judas had the money bags jesus was telling him you know buy what we need for the feast or that he should have given something to the poor verse 30 so after receiving the morsel of bread he immediately went out and it was night mm. period darkness so he left the light and went into the night mm. and that's just a symbolism of you know him walking away from the light of christ right him choosing darkness, darkness over the light. Mm. And you would think commonly you wouldn't do that. Mm. But when you allow the enemy to enter into your heart and change your motives f- apart from the intentions. Yeah. See, the Holy Spirit kind of works this way out. So when your heart is motive is changed, then therefore your actions, every, that's what steers your actions changes. Yeah. And therefore that's that's why it's easy for people to walk away from God. Right. Because they they have allowed things to conceive in their heart that are not of God. Yeah. And so, like, Jesus knew as soon as when Judas stepped out of that door, he knew. Mm. He knew that that he was going to be, um, he knew he was going to betray him. He knew. And that's why he said, you know, in verse 31, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the time the Son of Man is glorified, mm. and God is glorified in him. So he knew in that moment, Judas had made his decision. Right. And that, you know, it's going to hurt, but God's going to be glorified through it. And sometimes fulfilling God's plan isn't always what you'd expect it to be. Right. You know, sometimes you have to go through pain and suffering in order to fulfill God's will. The disciples thought that Jesus' glorification was going to be triumphant and amazing, but reality, his glorification was beating, betrayal, and suffering. Mm. And that's that's a lot to wrap your head around. Sometimes the way that God is glorified isn't the way that you'd expect it to be. And it's gonna hurt and it's gonna be painful and it's gonna it's gonna suck. Yeah. Big time. Big but, time. But you know we have to just know that he is good and know that he's gonna get glory through it all. And verse thirty two says, If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him and himself and glorify him all at once. Meaning God's going to get glory in every single aspect of this. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for mm-hmm. one another. So it's it's still putting other people first, yeah. serving them yep. and loving them to your fullest capacity. That's how you that's how people are going to know that you're God's disciple is that when you put other people's needs and wants before your own and you love them in that manner. But Judas, he was putting his own needs before Jesus. He 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 knew that he was going to get a reward. You know, he, and, and he chose, it was a choice. He chose to leave. Well, even, you know, when he was betraying him for 30 pieces of silver, yeah. okay, you know, he thought he was, he was benefiting the cause. Yep. You know, well, look, look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting the ministry more money. I'm, I'm putting Jesus in the position where he should be able to take his rightful place in this world. Right. And, and like, and Judas probably thought that. He, you know, he could have thought that he was going to get killed, but he also could have thought that, you know, I'm going to put him in a situation where he's going to, he's forced, he's, to he's, forced he's forced to, to show who he really is. But uh, it's just crazy that the disciples didn't understand fully what was about to happen right. with the beating and the crucifixion and mm-hmm. the, all that stuff. But Jesus knew what was about to happen. And he said, through this, mm-hmm. God's going to get glory. Amen. Praise God for that. And that's hard to grasp sometimes. God gets glory through pain and suffering. Yeah. We don't we don't get that. But it happens. And that's and that when you're in the middle of the pain and suffering, you just have to think either he's good or he isn't. Mm-hmm. And is your motives and intentions really lined up for God mm-hmm. in the things that you're doing? Yeah. So not every good thing's the right thing. Right. But your but if your motives are correct, then your intentions will be right. Mm-hmm. You're doing it for the right reasons, not for a good reason. Yeah. 
Um, and then Peter, being the gung-ho person he is, <laughs> says to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you'll follow afterwards. Um, Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. So meaning, Peter is like, Jesus, I'm going to die for you. But mm. Jesus is like, that's not the plan. Mm. I'm supposed to die for you. Correct. It's Correct. the other way around, buddy. Correct. Um, and Jesus said, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Mm. And that's deliberate. One time is like, oh, I didn't mean that. Second and third time, that's deliberate. Yeah. That's intentional. Yeah. But, like, imagine the stress that Peter's about to be going mm. through that, you know, the, the person that you love for yeah. three and a half years, they yeah. were they were together doing miracles, doing God's work. Yep. They lived And now he's literally about to be ripped from their life. And that's heartbroken. Yeah. That's just, that's a void, you know, and, and but had they, had they, uh, um, recognized their walk with the Lord. He was teaching them how to walk with the Lord. Yeah. You know, for them to teach other people. And had they recognized the things that were going through, they wouldn't felt as painful as they had felt of a loss. Yeah. Because God just would sustain them through it all. God sustains us through all of our losses. But there was a different different opportunity that Christ was trying to teach these disciples yeah. that, you know, what we lay down what we take off. Yeah. It's, it has to be in the obedience of Christ and giving mm-hmm. him honor and glory from our life. Yeah. That's important. That's very important. And so that's, I think that's the bottom line of it all. It's that, you know, true service is laying down your life for somebody else. Mm-hmm. True service is going out of your way to care for somebody, to love somebody. Yeah. Going, going, out, again, doing things that you don't necessarily want to do just to not to please people not to please people but to show them that they are loved and cherished and valued and that's what Jesus did for us on the cross you know he took his flesh and he 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 took upon him you know all of our guilt all of our sin all of our shame and he condemned it all on the cross and through it, God was glorified. It didn't look pretty. It didn't feel the best. But in the end, God got all the glory out of the whole situation. And no matter what you're facing today, know that God's going to get glory out of it. God will see you through it. It may look hopeless, but, you know, there's a day of resurrection coming. Amen. And so uh, just keep on keeping on, you know, you will make it through this. And God's going to get glory. All we have to do is learn how to serve for Him. We want to thank you for tuning in to Calvary's Compass. If you like what you heard, check us out on Facebook, Mount Calvary Church of God. Email us with any questions. And uh, we also have another podcast that um, shows our services um, um, on the podcast. But anyways, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to Calvary Compass. Uh, God bless, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.